Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me great pleasure to welcome back to uh, Viewpoints Malcolm Elliott, who has now become the immediate past president of the Australian uh, Primary Principles Association. Uh, welcome again to Viewpoints, Malcolm Elliott. Thanks very much, Henry, and lovely to be with you and your audience. Oh, it's always great to have you on here. You uh, you call it as it is, and you do that in a very constructive way. Um, in acknowledging that you're now the immediate past president of APA, as we call it, uh, I'd like to firstly congratulate you on the great work you've done over the last, what, four and a half years. It's uh, It can be a thankless and yet at the same time extremely rewarding career, and uh, many people I know share my sentiments. You've been a, a great president and will certainly miss you but you're going to pass the baton on to somebody who's well placed to take it on looking back over your four and a half years um what do you see well uh, thanks very much for those really lovely words henry that's uh, that's tremendous it means a lot thank you well and looking back uh i think that what we've seen here is uh an unfortunate playing out of a, a set of uh, circumstances where we've had systems, whether they be departments of education, school boards or uh, education offices, not able to pay enough attention to uh, our teaching workforce and the development of our education system across the country, which now is obviously played out in, in terms of teacher shortages. But what we've also happened what also has happened at the same time is that we've been linking into education around the world and discovering that this is something that is common around the world recently talking to the president of the international confederation of principals uh, associate professor peter kent from england he was able to confirm that um, amongst the member nations of the icp that this is a very common experience so we've gone into this period of time where Things haven't been the way we want them to be. We've seen uh, 12 years now of the Principal Health and Wellbeing uh, Occupational Health Survey and the data in that being worrying, 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 with some light at the end of the tunnel through uh, what has happened in some of the jurisdictions and uh, Victoria being uh, one of those where mm -hmm. some positive steps have been taken to support school leaders. But we've seen the context decline, I think, uh, that what we've seen uh, in education around the world, but now particularly in Australia, is that we've had a focus now for maybe 20 years or perhaps longer, which has been about uh, education performance being data-driven rather than data-informed and the conversation about education in Australia not being so much about the outcomes for individual children and the social and cultural diversity that we've got, but some rather meaningless or misinterpreted numbers on paper and that's been very concerning and now of course we've got uh, the reaction with the development of the national teacher workforce action plan but that's that's a, a bit of the what i've seen over that time has been really worrying however the other part that i have seen is tremendously resilient leaders who do fantastic work in schools and tremendous children uh, uh, who are the future of our country and wonderful teachers great relationships with, with uh, almost all of our parents so there's a lot to be uh, really uh, optimistic about, but there are some things that we've really got to pay very close attention to, and the time to pay that close attention was probably 10 years ago, if not longer, and so now we're facing a very complex set of circumstances.
Mm, good, a uh, good point. Yes, I was looking up some uh, old records and uh, publications, and back in 2015, we were being warned of uh, this potential mm. shortage of teachers and leaders unless uh, action were taken. I think COVID certainly hastened uh, hastened all of that. Um, in mm. looking forward, of course. Um, there's no short-term quick fix to this. How do we navigate whatever that period of time is? Uh, because at the bottom of the line of this is the kids and we can't afford mm. to have the kids of today and in mm. the next few years um, having their educations uh, you know, um, diluted so much because of the challenges we're going to mm. face. Yeah, well, uh, that's, a, that's a huge question. Uh, and I think underlying our responses has to have been, and I include the immediate past in this because this problem has been extant now for a long time, but really it's come to a head, uh, you know, in 2022, is that we need energy, we need uh, cooperation, we need uh, a sense that education is right at the top of our list of priorities as a nation, uh, economically, socially, politically, and for the sake of, of children. And what we need to do is go back to the drawing board, put everything on that drawing board, and say, how do we make uh, education in Australia uh, an, an element of our society, which is something in which we have the most deep confidence, it's something that is so attractive that our very, very best people want to become teachers whether they're mid-career, beginning career, or even towards the end of their careers, and take on this wonderful, rewarding, fulfilling role. But do it in ways so that we don't have eight competing jurisdictions, or uh, even to expand that, uh, find ourselves in competition with our Pacific neighbours, including New Zealand, for our teachers. So this is the big challenge, and I'm sure that we can overcome it uh, uh, by working collaboratively together. But how that happens when we, we've got the Commonwealth Government and these eight separate jurisdictions, that can become a real difficulty, even in such prosaic um, elements, not unimportant but nevertheless prosaic, as somehow getting remuneration and conditions uh, you know, roughly equivalent across the country. Yes, that's a real challenge. And, um, I mean, the way their federal system of government operates it uh, it certainly ties the hands of the federal government in terms of what they can do vis-a-vis -vis particularly public education when you look yeah. at uh, how much of their money they pour into the non-government schools versus the states in terms of, and that equates to responsibility that uh, I don't think yeah. we're going to change our federal system do we have to change our approach to how they work together yeah well <laughs> Yes, is the short answer. Uh, certainly, uh, the, the way that um, outcomes uh, play out. So it, it's all well and good to speak to ministers. And I, I take them at their word for this. When they say that when we go to meeting of, meetings of education ministers, the feeling in the room is, um, is very, very good, uh, even in the days when um, you know, half the ministers were from the, the uh, coalition and the other half from Labor or whatever the mix might have been. That, that personally they get on very well together and they acknowledge the issues, but it's what happens when um, the, those ministers return to the cabinet table in their states and territories and things start to play out in terms of budget surpluses, budgets balance, um, whether or not they can get the upper hand over uh, the opposition, what it's going to mean for an upcoming election. And I think we lose our way. 
And this, this is where I think it's just so important. And this is not a naive hope either. I think it's something that just has to happen, is that we've got to say there are some things that we can point to uh, about a cohesive provision of, of education in this country that we can all agree to and we can all give our, our very, very best effort to delivering. And one of them is saying, how are we going to form up the very best teams that we can in schools uh, to deal with our social and cultural differences and to give every child a chance to succeed? How are we going to develop these teams and sustain resourcing in a locale over an extended period of time so that we can adapt to the changes that are ahead of us, we can adapt to the deficiencies that we currently have, and we can find our ways forward by linking with families and communities in better ways, more sophisticated ways, by maintaining our teams, by having an agreement about what we think our schools should look like today and what they might look like into the future, and support uh, some form of um, trialling and piloting of different uh, ways of delivering education into primary schools, how it is that we can guarantee around the country that we've got enough focus in those very early years of a child's life, including uh, the, the, uh, the period of time for the parents when the child is unborn, how can we put as much support into those parents to give the child the best chance of getting a great start so that when they come to our um, professional and specialist learning environments of schools, they can do that. The, the, they have the best chance at um, uh, you know generating the best possible future for each child around our country. Uh, and these are the sorts of things that we need to have, uh, even if they are big picture ideas. But we need to have agreement on some of these things with p uh, policy in each state and territory aimed at developing these things to the highest level that we possibly can. That's a good point you make. We'll take a short break. Uh, Malcolm, you hold the line. Sure. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gross. We're in the middle of a discussion on, I guess, the state of um, education in in Australia with the immediate past president of the Australian Primary Principals Association, Malcolm Elliott. Welcome back, Malcolm. Thanks, Henry. Now, segueing on those comments, uh, it leads us into something which I think is very, I'd like to think, exciting, and that is the next APA conference, which is going to be held in your home state, Tasmania. And I'm not sure, is that the first time the APA conference is being held in Tasmania? Uh, no, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the second time. Uh, we had one in 2015, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, uh, and uh, it was uh, a great success then, and we're hoping for a similar success this time. In fact, it would be remiss of me not to say that we we know it will be a great success. <laughs> because lots and lots of people are coming to Tasmania yep. uh, for a, a conference themed uh, uh, inspiring uh, futures, refreshing leadership, and no better place to refresh leadership uh, than Tasmania. So it'll, it's, uh, it runs from the 31st of July uh, to the 3rd of August. And uh, registrations are open now and, uh, and filling fast. It's going to be held basically at the Grand Chancellor uh, for those people who are familiar with the Hobart area mm. in the Salamanca area. And uh, there, there are lots of um, really great surprises and a tremendous uh, lineup of, of speakers um, that uh, will be of, of great interest to everybody. Mm. Now, it's a, it's a pretty important they're all important, but right now, and we've spoken about the, the, the challenges we're facing in our profession right now. In terms of uh, addressing those challenges, um, what does this conference have to offer? Well, I think that um, from the, 
to start with the convener who is um, a uh, New South Wales adventurer named uh, James Castrician, that the, the conference is really about the underlying theme of how we make decisions in ever-changing contexts with genuinely uh, um, big uh, stakes. Uh, so there is there is little in our lives that is high stakes education. That's really what this conference is about. So while it's about refreshing leadership and inspiring futures, what we want to do is recognise that uh, in Australian society we've got an, an echelon of philosophers in our midst, and they are our school leaders. They are the people that we're interested in getting the best input for, uh, so they can translate education philosophy into practicing schools for the benefit of our country and that's really what this conference offers so there's uh, a theme of uh, well-being so that we know that um, you know the old Pontus ad you know put on mm -hmm. the oxygen mask for yourself first there's there's a, a very strong element of that there's a very strong element of collegial development in it as well uh, as as well as linking into what it is that we're facing in the now and into the future are we going to revert are we going to reboot what we've got? Are we going to reframe it? Or are we going to re replace it? And probably the answer is something along the lines of all of that. We don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, as the old saying goes, but we also have to recognise that things are changing. And that's, that's really what this conference is about. And the bottom line, the bottom line for all this is that, uh, if I might take a, a, a phrase from uh, my own uh, lexicon here, is that if you're not in a team, get in one and make sure it's a good one. And these conferences are really, really great opportunities for people from all over Australia, including some of our international guests. And uh, the New Zealand Principals Federation executive will be joining us for the conference, I'm very, very proud and pleased to say. Uh, this is the opportunity for us to get into teams of like-minded people with similar challenges, no matter what country you come from or whatever state and territory, whatever the nature of your school is, to find solutions and to find a way forward to make this profession of school leadership one in which everyone can thrive uh, as we, we look forward with uh, optimism and energy and enthusiasm for the challenges of the future. It's mm, a good point you make. I was uh, talking with a few people uh, in recent times, Malcolm, and one of the themes that uh, is fairly resonant with them and it's come through in our discussion so far is... Um, we need to th we need things to to get better in education. Um, where lies hope in all this? Because um, it's fairly common knowledge that without hope, no worthwhile mm. change will ever take place. It doesn't create yeah. change, but it's a precondition for change. Where do you see the hope for the future in education, school education, given where we sit now and some of the things that uh, that we've been saying that are quite depressing. Well, yeah, I mean, and I feel some of that responsibility, Henry, when um, taking the messages to the general public, as I've done, you know, in the past. Uh, you know, the truth of the matter is that if you go to a school and you go to classrooms and talk with principals, teachers and children, you see fantastic work being done every day. But unfortunately, our teacher workforce is, is not big enough. Uh, and we just don't have enough people to do the work that we need them to do right now. And that's a pretty damning statistic, I would have to say. But the, the future, the hope lies in the recognition under this Minister for Education, the Commonwealth Minister, Jason Clare, and his state and territory counterparts, that the time is past for action. So we must go on acting now. We must take the next steps. We must now 
uh, say to the rest of the country that education is not something you can just have a bit of a read about in the newspaper or uh, be something that uh, we, you can monitor a, a bit in an offhand way via social media. We have to say that this has to be given um, a higher level of priority. And I think that in this caring and compassionate country of Australia, which uh, sadly, if you pay too much attention to social media, can lead you down the path of uh, seeming apparently uh, quite selfish. Uh, I think that this is a caring and compassionate country. I think that there's tremendous capability within the Australian population. I believe that human beings will continue to thrive as long as there's a challenge to rise to. And we've, my goodness, we've got them now. I'm also heartened by anecdotal uh, evidence of conversations, intentions from other people saying, gee, I never realised that education was uh, in such trouble. I was thinking about becoming a teacher and rather than being, rather than these people being dissuaded from becoming teachers, they're saying, I think now's a good time to join. And I say, absolutely it is. Because I think that um, uh, on in terms of the industrial, it's now recognised that um, effort has to be put into paying conditions for teachers. And I think that if paying conditions improve, then we might find something of a return to the levels of goodwill that existed when I began teaching, uh, you know, quite some years ago now. Mm. I think, too, that there's great hope in that we're really facing some obvious challenges, uh, and your listeners don't need me to enunciate them, but, but just in brief, looking at the challenges of climate change and how we develop as a global society and how we can make the best use of the, the wonderful technological advances that are occurring uh, around artificial intelligence. So in short, Henry, what I'm trying to say is that I think that human beings will rise to the challenge. I think that Australians will learn and see and want to support education as a priority for our country. And that I think that there's a lot for us to look forward to in terms of what will be delivered through industrial uh, reform as well as social reform, not only in this country, but around the world. It's mm, a good point you make. Uh, time's on the wing, uh, Malcolm. Looking back on your four years, achievements of which you're particularly proud or uh, yep. particular, uh, particular um, projects uh, likewise? The thing, I'd, the thing that I'd, I'd really put most weight on, uh, Henry, would be that uh, for a long, long time, education has rested in the hands of economists. And to an extent, education should uh, be informed by um, principles of economics and through uh, forms of economic measurement, which aren't listed, limited just to uh, dollars and cents, of course, but to human productivity. But one of the great things that I think that we've achieved now with the Australian Primary Principles Association across government, independent and Catholic schools is that we've managed to influence the Productivity Commission, which has was asked to review the National School Reform Agreement which is the vehicle by which resourcing is delivered into the states and territories by the Commonwealth Government. And now, for the first time, uh, with uh, Jason Clare at the helm and this uh, first part of the review underway, we have said that, we, that, that there, was, there must be reform of education bureaucracies and education systems around Australia because that is the area in which we have not looked when we've been looking at the success of education. When we look in schools, we can acknowledge that uh, with the amount of money that's going into education, that there has to be accountability. And I've never met anybody who's afraid of a bit of accountability. But we've also got to look at the way in which the uh, schools are administered at systemic levels. And again, these might be Catholic education officers, boards of schools, 
or the bigger systems in the states and territories under the government sector. But there's an area for reform. And this has been noted by the Productivity Commission. We've also talked about uh, schools being places that have to be uh, redolent uh, of fun and joy and enthusiasm for learning while helping everybody uh, um, become the best that they can. And they must be resourced appropriately in an atmosphere which is full of trust. And uh, this uh, switch now from in the National School Reform Agreement, the pause that's been held, which I know has been criticised uh, uh, as being some forestalling of um, delivery of equity and funding, but this pausing has meant that there's been a shift in emphasis into a focus on leadership, the well-being of teachers, the education systems themselves. And this is something that APA has had strong influence on, and that's something of which I'm, I'm very proud. I'd just also like to, to say in some form of conclusion that the privilege of working with and making friends amongst the group of uh, school leaders and representatives of this country is something that I'll forever hold very close to my heart. It's, it's led to me, uh, led me to be in schools and in conversations uh, where I've seen so much great and wonderful work done on behalf of Australia's children by wonderful and committed people. And they're the sorts of things that will live with me for the rest of my life. Mm. And uh, and I, I echo those sentiments too. And uh, it's also been a privilege to um, to work with you via my capacity uh, as as the president of APA. You've been you've been a great president and quite an inspiring president. And I'm sure that uh, uh, your time of influence in education will uh, perhaps morph into another field, but it won't be lost. Oh well, thank you, Henry. And and as always, thank you so much for those really really kind comments they may not they mean a lot if i might say uh, to me on a personal level so i appreciate that very much yeah thank you that was malcolm malcolm elliott the immediate past president of the australian primary principles association